What's up, Team Migos? And welcome to the Team Migos podcast, uncovering the health benefits of tea for your active life. My name is Vince Lapalusa, tea lover with a self-proclaimed PhD, and this is episode two of Deep Steeps. Today, we are answering questions about what is in tea and compounds that affect the health benefits and flavors of your cup. So sit back, sip your tea, and enjoy this deep steep. In episode one, we broke down the history, or a little brief history, I should say, of tea and the different types such as green tea, black, oolong, pu'er, and what kind of goes into and affects that. So I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into that exactly. And before jumping into what a specific tea is and what makes a green tea a green tea versus a black tea a black tea, I wanted to take a moment and discuss what exactly is in tea? What is in a Camellia sinensis plant? A little personal note, I am a chemical engineer by trade, and I thoroughly enjoy the knowing the ins and outs of how things work and why things are the way that they are. And being an avid tea lover, of course, I wanted to discover why does tea taste a certain way that it does? Why is a black tea, a black tea, a green tea, a green tea, again, all those variations. But also, what is in tea and like why, what kind of chemicals, and I say chemicals that might have a bad tone to it, but at the end of the day, we're all made up of chemicals and we have chemicals in us constantly. So what kind of chemicals are in and chemical compounds are in tea that make tea so delicious, so healthy, so so addictive. Um, and that's what I wanted to just break down a little in depth here today. So this is an episode on what's in tea. And I think, of course, the proper place to start is with methylxanthines. Now, for those of you that don't know what methylxanthines are, and that giant word that I just threw at you, that is the overarching category that involves uh, theophylline, of course, theobromine, and caffeine. Now, yes, that is why I wanted to start there is because caffeine is, so tea or Camellia sinensis is actually one of the few plants that naturally just have caffeine. Of course, coffee being another one, chocolate, cocoa, um, those are other examples, uh, yerba mate. But Camellia sinensis actually has a lot of caffeine in it, uh, comparatively speaking, to some other plants. So, the methylxanthines, that big word that I threw out there, is just the overarching category of the those other three subcategories, a theophylline, theobromine, and caffeine. So we're going to, although theophylline is actually one of those that is more prominent than caffeine, it has less of an effect on us when we drink it. And that is why you don't get the jitters nearly as much as you do for example, with coffee. I mean, there's a few examples or a few instances of why you don't get that jittery, anxious feeling with tea. Um, But part of it is that uh, these different types of methylxanthines play a role. 
And that actually, the, that group makes up about 2 to 5% by weight of the composition of the tea plant. So caffeine, that's a whole category in itself. And I'll probably do an episode on caffeine specifically, just because it's such a misconstrued concept when it comes to tea. People, the, the overarching thought is that uh, the less oxidized, the less processed a tea is, so like a green or a white tea, you'll have less caffeine. And then the black and puers, the more oxidized, the more processed, they have more caffeine. That's just not true. I'll leave that for another episode. Not sure when, but be on the lookout for that. And yeah, I just want to bring to attention that, again, this is an overarching of what is in tea. And caffeine, of course, is part of that. And it can range anywhere. I just, for rough numbers, I'd say you'd get anywhere from like 15 to 20 milligrams of tea up to like 100, 110 milligrams of tea at the highest. And that's like where you get to like coffee type levels. Um, And those all have different variations as to what affects that. But I thought that would be a good place to start. And then following, uh, of course, the health benefits of tea, where does that come from? People always talk about the health benefits of tea and why. Why do we actually see those in ourselves? So that is largely contributed to what's called polyphenols. So you may have heard this. This is the big the big word that comes up with antioxidants and immune boosting and and health and wellness type conversations. Polyphenols are discussed in a lot of times because you don't find these strictly in tea. This is something that you can find across the board in fruits and vegetables, as well as um, healthy raised meats and um, regenerative practices. However, polyphenols actually make up around 30 to 50% of the composition of a tea leaf, of your of the tea that you're drinking. So it's the largest contributor to the actual tea cup, what you're drinking in your tea cup, per se. And there's over 30,000 types of polyphenols. Now, we're not going to get into each and every one of those. But the most important that you're probably going to want to know about for health benefit reasons is flavonoids. Now, flavonoids are majorly responsible for building up your immune system, giving you a strong, yeah, just giving you like more more of an ability to fight against free radicals that are roaming around in our bodies uh, from any stress or inflammation. And a very specific type of flavonoid, which again is a subcategory of a poly- of polyphenols, is uh, catechins. And an even more specific one that you may have heard, if you are familiar to tea, is EGCG. That is the acronym for a much longer name that I'm not going to pronounce here. But EGCG is a type of catechin or flavonoid that is the most active and the most bioavailable for our bodies to actually use and combat any free radicals in our system. And this is one that is just discussed countless times when it comes to health benefits of tea. And again, something that we can dig into a little bit deeper, maybe a different episode, but I just want to kind of get that, um, that, that thought process going through your minds right now. Now, the process of oxidation actually converts flavonoids to what's called uh, either theoflavins or theorubigans. And that is important to note because 
as I kind of briefly alluded to in episode one, oxidation is a major player in what the differences are between a green tea and a black tea. Black tea undergoes a larger oxidation process. So by having a greater oxidation process, it will convert those flavonoids that are present in tea to those theoflavins and theorubigans, which are responsible for the robust, deep, dark flavors that we find in black tea versus green tea. So again, this is something that if you're interested in, it's just to know, just to understand a little bit greater. Uh, A subcategory of polyphenols that also is important to note is tannins. Now, you may have heard of tannins before, uh, especially if you're a wine connoisseur. And tannins play a major role in the the visual appearance of tea or wine or some sort of liquid. Uh, tannins will have that darker, bolder look, um, kind of like the, what we were just talking about with the theoflavins and theorubigans. So tannins, they should be understood for tea because they are actually responsible for the astringency and that, that kind of bitter and dry taste that tea sometimes leaves in your mouth so again comparing this to wine and wine and tea are very very similar you can a lot of times they are they are talked about one in the same but the astringency in tea is again that that kind of bitter sharpness that a lot of people sometimes when they think of tea that's immediately what they think of and they're like i don't like how it makes my mouth feel or I don't like the bitterness. Well, there's a few things that play into tannins and what actually increases them in your cup of tea. One is that darker teas just have more tannins. So again, that goes back to the flavonoids being converted to those theoflavins and the theorubigans, black tea, puer, they're going to have more tannins and therefore be a darker and bolder tea that also are typically a little drier and leave your mouth feeling... Uh, a little more astringent. But one of the major players that I hear a lot of times, or that I always ask people when they tell me, like, eh, I don't like tea because it tastes like dry, and it just it leaves my mouth feeling weird. I always ask them how long they steep their tea for, because the longer you steep your tea, the more tannins you're actually going to get. And the more tannins you get, the more astringent and dry your tea is going to be. So a lot of times... You don't need to steep your tea for that long. And I am going to do an episode on uh, the effects of time and temperature on tea. But that's just something good to note is that longer temp or longer steeping time will increase your tannins. So moving away from polyphenols now, another thing that we will find that is important, but it's not too important to the actual flavor of the tea but it's important to note that it is in the tea and it is uh, enzymes. So an enzyme is something that increases a, a process, a chemical process typically. That's a, it's a very rough uh, definition. But what we find in tea are two enzymes specifically called polyphenol oxidase and peroxidase. Now, these basically have that effect. And this is not just specific for tea. If you have a piece of fruit or a vegetable that is is old and just and it sits there, eventually it browns and it becomes mushy. And what's happening there are the enzymes of polyphenol oxidase and peroxidase are actually working and 
creating this process. This That's the oxidation process right there. Those are important to note because they help affect oxidation. And that oxidation process will happen pretty quickly. If you've ever left out a piece of fruit on your counter or a banana, for example, you see that happen overnight almost. It's important to note that because you don't want the oxidation process to happen. So how do you stop that oxidation process from happening for certain teas? Well, you can denature or halt that process um, by one of two methods that are typically used in tea. One is to increase the heat uh, in the processing to greater than 150 degrees Fahrenheit. So that will be done either through a steaming process or a pan firing process or some sort of subject, like being subjected just to obviously that elevated temperature. The other way you can do it is to eliminate moisture within the tea leaves itself. So oxidation needs a needs moisture to allow the process, the chemical process to occur. Without moisture, you're not going to have that process. And so those are the two typical ways. You'll, a lot of times a drying process is is needed in the tea making process, especially for those green and white teas that you don't want, you want to halt that process very quickly because otherwise it starts to become an oolong, a black or a puer type tea. So moving on next is amino acids. There are, I believe, seven amino acids that are foundational for life. We need them to be alive and thriving in our everyday life. Tea does not have those one of or any of those seven that are foundational. Like those are the actual what are needed to build strong muscles and like I said, keep you living and thriving. There are other amino acids outside of that. So why is this important? So it's important to note that amino acids are actually really highly concentrated within the tea plant. Through the process of just a tea plant growing, so being out in a tea field uh, in the sunlight and just growing to usable, drinkable tea, the sunlight actually will convert the amino acids that are present, naturally present in the tea, convert it to those polyphenols that we were just talking about. With many teas, there is, in the last 7 to 22 days of before harvest, there is a process of shading these tea leaves or tea plants. So what they'll do is they'll drape over a very finely meshed cloth over these tea plants, and that'll prevent a majority of the sun from actually hitting the tea plant. This does a few things to the tea plant, but specifically talking about the amino acids is that it halts that process of converting those amino acids to polyphenols. So why is that important? Well, amino acids, they have certain unique health benefits and effects on the flavor. So for the flavor, the higher the amino acid concentration, the more sweet and kind of brothiness you will get in your tea. You might find that in, again, a cup of like Gyokuro green tea. Now, Gyokuro green tea is a Japanese green tea that is shaded at the end of its uh, life before harvest and has a very umami flavor. So it's a sweet, vegetal, umami, almost seaweedy type flavor. 
and that is affected by the amino acids. That and matcha, a high-quality matcha, you'll also get the ver- a very similar flavor. One of the amino acids that, personally, I really love learning about and another one that if you, the deeper you get into the tea community, you'll hear it probably thrown around, is an amino acid called L-theanine. L-theanine is an amino acid that will basically give your mind and body a calm feeling and give you that zen-like state that tea often is associated with. The combination of L-theanine and caffeine is remarkable, in my opinion. The effects of the combo of L-theanine and caffeine is the caffeine, as I'm sure many have experienced, will spike your energy levels. So you'll get a huge spike. And a lot of times, if it's high, if it's a super high level of caffeine, you'll experience a very, very quick crash, maybe like an hour later uh, from that caffeine high. In combo of L-theanine and caffeine, L-theanine has this inhibitory effect on the caffeine's like spike, like crazy high spike. And actually it, it calms that slope down, if that makes sense. It'll basically take your caffeine spike and create more of a gentle slope up. So now you'll feel the caffeine kind of hit you a little bit smoother rather than like all of a sudden, boom, you got like a, like for example, I love there's a pumpkin spice cold brew and yeah, I might be exposing myself, but I love pumpkin spice cold brew coffee. Just the flavor, it, I really like it. But when I get that, I know that I am going on a trip and it is going to be a crazy sugar plus caffeine high and then I'm going to crash. Now, the combination of L-theanine actually smooths that out. It It takes you on a nice trip up to the caffeine high, you hit that peak and then you slowly come off, you slowly come down. That is a lot more manageable and a lot more enjoyable, especially when you're working because the the crash can take, at least for me, takes me out for like two hours and it's like a hangover effect almost. That That was probably the biggest reason why I chose tea as my stimulant, as my drug of choice per, per se. That's a that's a remarkable combination is the caffeine and L-theanine. You'll find it a lot or at a high level, again, because going back to where we find amino acids higher in tea, it's in those shaded teas, you'll find it in that gyokuru or a matcha. Those are the ones that contain the highest L-theanine and also the highest caffeine as well. So moving towards kind of some minor players in the tea leaf, but still important to note, something that is present is carbohydrates. If you are on the ketogenic diet or something like that, don't worry, tea is still ketogenic, but it still does have carbohydrates. It actually makes up about 11% of the composition of your tea leaf and your tea. It's important that we have carbohydrates in tea because it provides that yummy sweetness that you'll find in certain teas that helps balance the umami or astringent tastes that you get from those polyphenols and amino acids that we were talking about. What also is important to note is that carbohydrates are vital for the enzymatic processes of uh, the polyphenol oxidase and peroxidase. So 
if you want those more oxidized teas, you need those carbohydrates to help push that, that process along. The carbohydrates, they actually are formed via the photosynthesis process that all plants go through. And like I said, it's very important just for the foundation of how a tea becomes a tea, as well as just kind of that yummy sweetness that we that we look for in certain teas. Uh, so you'll also find minerals. And that is, I mean, we hear about getting your vitamins and minerals in your in your fruits and veggies. Well, why not tea as well? There are a whole boatload of minerals that you'll find in tea. Uh, some that are fantastic for you and others that are actually a little bit questionable. So some of those healthy minerals that you find high levels of are iodine, manganese, potassium, and selenium. Those all are known just for helping healthy thyroid function and body and mind uh, and keeping yeah, keeping you strong and healthy. But some of those questionable minerals that actually at least have raised my eyebrows are aluminum and arsenic. So we'll start with the arsenic because it's probably a little scarier. There have been trace amounts of arsenic present in some teas. However, there have never, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying they're these levels are very low. Uh, they're they're not at the levels that are going to kill you. They're not poisonous for you. But it is interesting to note this, and a lot of it, a lot of the times these actually come from soil composition and where the tea is grown. This plays a major effect into getting and sourcing fair trade and organic type teas. A lot of times those are better, and in the sense of having lower levels of this arsenic and other heavy metals that we just don't want in our bodies obviously if you can avoid as many of those as possible i would recommend that Uh, the other one aluminum this one actually did have a higher level comparatively speaking to other fruits and vegetables and other like beverages um tea actually does have a higher level And, and again this is mostly due to the soil composition of where a lot of these are grown in southeast asia and some of the uh, other industries that are around it. After digging into this a little deeper, due to uh, obviously you don't want a high level of aluminum, high levels of aluminum in your in your body or any heavy metals. I've again, I've I've realized that the amounts that you're finding in tea, while they are higher in comparative in comparison to other uh, types of foods they are still quite low. And if you're truly worried about your aluminum consumption and intake, you should really look towards the deodorants that you use. A lot of deodorants use aluminum-based uh, products. And your skin is a the largest organ on in your body. And it absorbs everything that we put onto it. So, it's, so if you're looking to reduce that intake... I would start there and then potentially work towards uh, looking into tea and um, healthier organic style teas. And the last thing that I want to mention about what is in tea is a group called volatiles. Now, a volatile in a, in a rough definition is something that is easily transmittable to the air. Basically, if you've ever cooked with garlic or rosemary you have experienced volatiles. It, they 
those two herbs when used in cooking when subjected to heat they give such a beautiful aroma that fills the house fills the kitchen and personally i absolutely love it and volatiles obviously play a huge role in teas because some teas are so floral and so so sweet smelling and others are so earthy and and bold and that the volatiles are kind of what make up the uniqueness of tea in my opinion and what's fascinating about it is that it actually is only comprises 0.01% of the composition of tea i mean compare that to like the polyphenols that are up towards like 50% of the tea these are so low but yet have such a high effect i mean like a like a milk oolong has just like such a buttery uh, smell and taste and it's predominantly due to these volatiles that are produced so there are two different types of volatiles you have what's called a primary and secondary volatiles the difference being primary volatiles are actually present pre-processing basically so they're present on the tea plant when you harvest them so you can actually smell the maybe a floral smell or a floral um, or a sweet smell or something like that on the tea leaf whereas the secondary volatiles those actually happen post-processing so if you do a process that creates um i don't know a smoky flavor that'll probably be because of these volatiles there are some specific compounds that are related to each and every one of these flavors and scents for example for a floral and sweet taste uh, that is related to the compound linalool that's l-i-n-a-l-o-o-l and Again, this list goes on and on for the floral aroma, like where what comes from that, the fruity tastes, uh, some fresh tastes. You have those are all related to different compounds, which is actually quite fascinating to me because why are those compounds present in some tea tea plants and not in others? I don't fully know, but fascinating. So that's it. That's the in a nutshell, uh, like a like a twenty minute nutshell of what is in tea, that's it. I mean, it's kind of a a general overview of what you can find in pretty much all teas. Now, there are varying levels in each tea uh, due to just different processings and different harvesting and where things are grown and kind of all the things that we noted in episode one of what makes like a black tea a black tea versus a green tea a green tea. So as mentioned, I probably will dig deep into a few of these, uh, especially like caffeine, L-theanine, uh, some of the polyphenols like EGCG. I think that it's important for, for those to be noted, and there's actually been a lot of research done on them, um, especially for like the health benefits. So I will dig deeper into those specifically, uh, but if you have any questions, please reach out to me. I am more than happy to answer or dig deeper into all of these. And now you can enjoy your tea and actually know what the heck is going on in it. And kind of think about it from a more scientific standpoint. So thank you, and I wish you a great day. Thanks for tuning in to today's Deep Steep. For more info, check out freshsteeps.com. That's F-R-E-S-H-S-T-E-E-P-S.com or follow us on social media at Fresh Steeps. If you enjoyed today's show, leave a five-star review and leave a comment. It helps the podcast grow and brightens my day. Thank you for being here. 
You are loved and appreciated, and I wish you the best day. Peace and love. Peace and love.